what gets me pumped is when I'm collaborating with people and really feel the energy by bouncing ideas off right. of each other. And maybe a couple jumping jacks in there too. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I will listen to some Foo Fighters, some, some of their heavier stuff and get me, get me jazzed. <laughs> So today we have Joan. She is an alumni here, and we're super excited to talk to her. Welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. It's great to be back on campus. Can you introduce yourself for us and our listeners? Sure. I'm Joan Basicio. I am a public relations and marketing communications executive. I'm a member of the class of 1997, and I was an English and communications major when I was here at the hall. So what did you do when you were here? I did a lot of stuff. I declared a, a major in English pretty early on because I was just really passionate about writing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I got involved with right away was the Setonian. I was assistant okay. features editor, which was a lot so, of fun and um, got to interview some really exciting people both on and off campus. Yeah, the Setonian still does fantastic work here. That's really great. So can you tell me a little bit about like what your leadership life looked like as an undergrad? That's a great question. I was involved with a lot of activities on campus. One of the things that I that I did and I got a, a lot of uh, joy out of was I was a member of the Student Activities Board and I served on the concert committee because I'm a big music oh, fan. Oh, fun. In case you were wondering, my favorite band is the Foo Fighters. Love that. <laughs> Just thought I'd add that in. It's great. So I had a leadership position with, with that group as well as with the Public Relations Student Society of America. I served as uh, president of that group, which oh, got so me really interested in public relations. And in fact, I've kind of fell into PR because of someone I went to, to school with here who I met during orientation, who was, I believe, an on-air on DJ for SOU during his time here. Oh, that's awesome. And now he's a big shot at uh, Sirius XM. Yeah, we have um, a couple of people in the leadership cohort for our communication in the arts are still active members of PRSSA. So... Glad to hear a it. couple of yeah, a couple of those people are still super active with that. That's really really cool that, that he was able to do that for you. Plus, he gives me some free concert tickets along the way. Oh, that's oh. a perk. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's something you wish you would have done? I don't have a lot of regrets in life, but I regret not studying abroad. It wasn't a thing for yeah. for my group of friends. No one okay. that I was close with did it, and. I guess I missed the posters in the basement of Fahey that <laughs> advertised it. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been a really great experience early on in, in my um, in my life. And Where would you go? I am of Italian descent, as so many people in New Jersey are, <laughs> and uh, I probably would have chose uh, Italy. That's awesome. That's really cool. I mean, I'm a diplomacy major, so everybody travels abroad. <laughs> so if you could go back to your freshman self, 
of college, what would advice would you give her? Not to eat so much KFC and Taco Bell, um, <laughs> which was pretty much what we had in the cafeteria. You guys have much better choices now. Yeah, but we have Uber Eats, so that's a uh, slippery yes. slope. <laughs> yes. I don't know that I really would have would have given myself any other advice. Maybe just have a little bit more fun. But no, my time here was really well rounded, and and I think I had a good balance of focusing on my uh, academic responsibilities as well as, you know, hanging out on the green and doing all those things. Yeah, that's pretty much all I can think of right now. So, okay, so since you clearly figured out how to do that, um, what would be your advice to somebody that doesn't have that, doesn't feel as well balanced and that kind of thing? To flip side. I might say find, you know, one thing that you're passionate about and try to make it work in terms of something that you derive pleasure from, but also could help serve well for your future self. Mm-hmm. For me, that was PRSSA. Um, I had a lot of fun doing it, but it was also a really great foundation for my career. Yeah, we're very lucky that the Leadership Institute is something for all of us that we kind of do the same thing. So tell me a little bit about your like journey after college and kind of what that looked like. Sure. Well, I'll start a little bit back in time before I graduated, and that was mm-hmm. um, relative to internships that I had. And I know yeah. a lot of students here uh, take advantage of the connections that the school yes. has, which is terrific. Once I kind of fell into to PR and realized it was something I could do to blend my interest in uh, writing and content development mm-hmm. and, and make a career out of it, I quickly got an internship at a small PR agency in New Jersey, which was a really terrific opportunity. I got to, you know, basically be an account executive and do lots of media outreach and uh, content development and understand how a business works. I wanted to try the big city. So then I got an internship at a very large PR agency on Park Ave in Manhattan. Quickly realized that commute was not something I wanted to do (laughs) if I could avoid it. So then my third internship was actually in the ring building with the PR team for Seton Hall. And that was a really great experience as well to understand more of a corporate environment versus agency. Mm -hmm. So with those experiences, I was able to figure out that I really liked the energy and the vibrancy of of a communications agency, a PR firm, and started to interview for positions for postgrad. One of my professors here at the time shared with me that there was an opening at a public relations agency in New Jersey, so I didn't have to do the commute, which was great. I went on the interview just thinking thinking I need to get some interview experience. And by the time I got back to campus, there was a message on my answering machine. Yes, this was pre-cell phones. Um, <laughs> and asking me to call them and I got the job. So that wow. was in, I started in January of 1998. And I just left the agency after almost 22 years. Um, last week, in fact, it was, it's been, it was a great experience. I, I grew up there. I learned everything yeah. I know, you know, working with that firm. But I felt like maybe now the next half of my career, I want to try something different and challenge myself. One of my favorite sort of mantras in life is that growth does not come from being comfortable. And, you know, after 22 years with the same company, even though I got to do a lot of different things, wear mm-hmm. a lot of different hats, have many different roles, I felt like I wanted to, you know, challenge myself in a different way. So, yeah, that was a big decision for me, but I'm excited about what's next. That's awesome. You answered like five of my questions in that one little like (laughs) spiel. So that's perfect. So going back to your internships a little bit. So what like nuggets did you learn from those three very different experiences? It sounds like that kind of play into where you ended up working for the past 22 years and then kind of where you want to go now. Like what did you learn about 
environmental situations mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that you kind of were like, this works for me, this doesn't, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I learned that I really enjoy collaborating, mm-hmm. um, which is a big part of being in, a, in an agency, in a creative firm. And I also learned what does collaboration really look like? It's not having other people give you the ideas or do your job, but coming to the table with with something to offer and then evolving it and growing it by bouncing things off of other people. So I learned what collaboration really looks like. I also learned how to be a manager. I was managing people a few years younger than me when I was a year and a half-ish out of school, which was sort of a mind trip. Um, Didn't go to school to be a manager, but I quickly learned that there's a way to get the best out of every single person that you work with, but you Mm -hmm. must adjust your management style. You can't just approach everyone in the same way and get the, you know, results that you need. So that was another big uh, learning lesson. And I think you could be a manager for 110 years and still learn because every person in every situation is different. Yeah. So those are two big takeaways. So what would your, how would you describe your management and your leadership style then? Wow, that's a really good question. I am hands-on when I need to be, and I, I really do think of myself as a, as a mentor and as, as a teacher. In fact, I was an adjunct at Seton Hall for five years teaching PR1, which was also a lot of fun. My style is, is really as a coach and as a mentor versus a, you know, a manager who's just giving assignments and telling people what to right. do. You know, my experience with my own bosses and managers has been very similar in terms mm-hmm. of giving me enough guidance, but also giving me room to experiment. And trust. And, and trust, absolutely. Yeah. And also understanding that risk taking in the workplace is a good thing if mm-hmm. it's you know thought through. But again, you don't learn unless you're trying new things or getting uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I always encouraged my folks to take risks and try mm-hmm. new things and what, ask themselves, what's the worst that can happen? It might not work out. Yeah. Big deal, but you'll learn from it and you'll grow from there. Completely. So this is a little bit different than I was expecting, but which is great. This is what we like. A lot of us are actually becoming mentors for the first time as we have a new group of Institute students. So what is your advice to like being a mentor and like or finding a mentor and kind of all of that stuff that comes with it? My advice for being a mentor is trying to bring something new and thought-provoking to your mentee all the time. I think mentees really do need to drive the relationship, Mm -hmm. but one of my other mantras is you don't know what you don't know. So Mm -hmm. bringing things to your mentee and saying, you know, you might not have thought about this or have you tried that or you should really be thinking about, you know, X, Y, Z, whether it's about a project or how to approach a job search or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just being human, too. I think, you know, my experience being a mentor through the Women's Leadership Program at the mm-hmm. Stillman School has been tremendous. And I think a big reason for that is that the students really kind of know what they want and what they want to get mm-hmm. out of the relationship. And I think that's really important. But again, the mentor has to you know, kind of share with, with the mentees what, what they don't know and what they're not thinking about. Yeah. Well, we have a fantastic women uh, mentoring program over in the business school, and we're hoping to implement that for us once we, you know, get this program farther along. That's awesome. So something we are just talking about kind of in the Institute right now is personal branding. Mm-hmm. And I know you've done a lot of work with that. So can you kind of kind of explain what that is and how you should go about doing that, mm-hmm. especially like in the social media era when it's really easy to screw up your personal brand mm-hmm. or have a personal brand mm-hmm. or whatever it may be? Mm-hmm. I think your personal brand really needs to be authentic, and that's a word that a lot of people throw around these days, but really think about what your core values are Mm -hmm. and 
what means the most to you in terms of the relationships that you have in your life and, you know, how that can parlay into the workplace. I mean, everybody has to know, side note, that employers are looking at social media profiles when they're uh, considering a candidate. So if if you don't have those profiles cleaned up, now's the time to do it. But, you know, coming up with a, with a mantra, like I've been saying, is important. You know, what, what do you stand for? What your core values are? What have been the most transformative experiences in your life? And how can you parlay that in a social media bio? Right. Yeah. We're working on these personal branding video pitches type things right now. So it's been a fun challenge Mm -hmm. that nobody's done before. And Um, it can actually evolve too. I mean, my personal personal brand. And that's a great question, by the way, when I was interviewing people at my former agency, because I did a lot of recruiting and onboarding, Mm -hmm. I would always ask, what is your brand? What do you want to be known for? You know, in the early days for me, it was that I was a grammarian just because I love to write and, you know, a member of the grammar police, but now it's totally different. And now, you know, my brand means something, you know, totally different as I've evolved over the last 22 years. So, and it should evolve. Um, so what is, you've talked about your mantras. So like, what would be your, um, why or your, like your big kind of motivator driver that gets you out of bed on those difficult days? Well, it relates to your previous question actually, is that I love to make connections. I, a lot of people say they go into PR because they're a people person. Well, that's not a great answer, but to me, there's a little nugget in there and that it's, it's all about making connections, learning about new people, what makes them tick. For me, it's connecting a client with a new uh, marketing idea or a new Mm -hmm. headline that we can pitch to the press to get them some media exposure or connecting a really sharp student with a potential internship opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's for me, it, I'm a I'm a diehard networker and I just <laughs> love, one of my life goals is to make a love match. I haven't done that yet, but um, <laughs> what gets me out of bed is what new connections can I make? Yeah, that's, that's why we started this podcast is really just these conversations and these connections that are so much fun for us personally. So where do you think the field at large is going in PR? It's all about technology. I mean, when I started out in the field, the technology we had was basically Microsoft Word and, you know, email program and a fax machine. I know I'm really dating myself here. (laughs) But, you know, the advent of social media and how a public relations professional like myself can can use those channels to reach new people uh, with new information in a lot of different ways. You know, analytics and data are, are huge in our field now. And you have to really be able to digest that data and understand what does it mean for a public relations program or a brand communication strategy. It, it's all about, you know, AI and technology. And you know, I think that's probably the case for pretty much every profession. Yeah, completely. It 100% is. But it seems to hit PR first. Yes. And um, that's one of the reasons why I think the field is so exciting because it's ever changing. Completely. It feels like you get you see something like it's always PR and then everybody else kind of catches up with mm-hmm whatever new thing is happening. So we're going to go a little bit more fun questions. So when you have like a big pitch, right, for a client, what is kind of your like, what do you do to like pump yourself up or motivate for that type of thing? Drink a lot of coffee. Well, yeah. (laughs) I do a lot of research and I get excited by what I find when I'm researching a company or their competitors. Going back to an earlier point is what gets me pumped is when I'm collaborating with people and really feel the energy by bouncing ideas off of each other and maybe a couple jumping jacks in there too. (laughs) I I will listen to some Foo Fighters, some some of their heavier stuff and get me me jazzed. Everybody has a very different version of that. So it's, I enjoy it. So what's the best advice you've ever received? 
it's probably something I mentioned earlier. You don't know what you don't know. I mean, I'm a very confident person. I was always a confident kid. You know, I was sort of like the the group leader of my little elementary school <laughs> clan. Perhaps I was considered bossy, but but I realized, and, and this, again, was something that one of my professors here had shared with me, that you don't know what you don't know. So, yes, you can be confident in your abilities going into a job, say, as an entry-level professional, but you also really need to be open to feedback and resilient, have a bit of a thick skin, and realize that one of the best traits that you can have in this world, whether it's professional or personal, is being curious, mm -hmm. wanting to to know what you don't know and to grow through experiences. The other thing I would say is everything you ever experience, there's a lesson in it. Even if something gets really messed up and you screw something up. I remember a time that I screwed up pretty royally um, early in my career. I was supposed to meet a client somewhere in a building. We were going to have a, a meeting with an editor. Didn't realize there were two entrances to the building. So I told her to meet me in the lobby of the building and I was waiting for her in one area and then she was on the other side of the building and then had already gone upstairs and started the meeting without me and I was just absolutely mortified. But I realized from that to always double check details, to be really aware of logistics right. and um, you know, learning from mistakes is probably another one of the Best things I've learned. So what was your learning curve then with like constructive feedback and giving it and then having to become a manager and then receiving it? Because I know it can be very hard for outspoken mm -hmm. type of mm -hmm. people. I just realized that, you know, for example, if my boss was giving me feedback that she was in this business a lot longer than I am and there's tr there was truth to it. Mm -hmm. And because she approached it in a teaching coaching way, mm -hmm. not just like, hey, this is wrong, you need to fix it but would really take the time to show me, you know, how it could be different or better. Mm -hmm. And then I just realized, you know, the way that I like to get feedback is 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 how I was, you know, giving it as a as a manager. And that okay. that was a learning curve. I mean, there were a few years there where I was absolutely micromanaging. They say they whoever they is, <laughs> some of sometimes your biggest strengths are also your weaknesses. So, mm -hmm. I was really conscientious employee. I was very detail-oriented, process-driven, mm -hmm. you know, crossing all the Ts, dotting the Is, nothing slipping through cracks. So that's one of the things that helped me escalate in my career early on. But when I became a manager, I realized that not everybody needs that sort of right. T crossing and I dotting from a manager. You know, you've got to give right. your folks some room to figure out their own process and what works right. best for them. And I imagine you as an employee wouldn't have liked the Oh, heck no. Exactly. <laughs> so you have to, yeah. No. And I've worked with people who are micromanagers, you know, as colleagues, and it is not, it's not comfortable. Yeah, it's, it's you don't feel like you're trusted. You don't feel like you're smart because somebody's mm -hmm. watching over you. So I've really tried very, very hard in my career to not be that way. So you have to highlight different strengths and kind of play with that and realize that a different approach or a different thought isn't just because it's different from yours and how you might do it. There's right. there's still value in that. Yeah. And it's just because you have to change your style doesn't mean the old style didn't work. It just didn't work for this particular situation. Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about like some of the lessons that you've learned? I mean, you've been in the business for a long time. What failures have you had and gaps do you wish you would have known mm. early in your career? I'm not sure if this is quite what you're asking, but okay. what comes to mind is that the only constant is change. The world changes so quickly. Business changes quickly. Clients' needs change so quickly. And, you know, what got you here won't get you there you know mm -hmm. so you have to be able to be very agile in terms of how you think how you absorb new information and and that's you know that's a lesson that uh, I probably only really learned in the last quarter of my career well you have a 
still got a long career ahead of you, so you'll use that, I'm sure. So something that when we all apply um, or get invited to apply to this program, um, we're asked, who is the person that exemplifies outstanding leadership to you? So who's that person? I don't know if there's only one person. It can be more than one. One of my professors here, Dr. Kathleen Rennie, she, uh, she was with Seton Hall for 25 years and she to me was a, a great example of, of a leader you know at a university level because she was you know a mentor first and a and a professor and educator second my boss for the last 21 and a half years was a superb example of an effective leader she started her own company and grew it to be super successful and really took the time to to know each of her employees mm -hmm. and what was important to them and and how to get the best out of them for the betterment of the company right. i could also give some examples of, of people i don't think are great leaders but i don't think we should get it. <laughs> Yeah, that could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the feeling Dr. Price wouldn't be really happy if I went down that road, as fun as it sounds like it would be. So can you talk a little bit about, in doing research for this interview, I, re I found a statistic somewhere that 75% of the industry PR is female, but it's mm. less than 20% mm -hmm. of the top executives. Right. Can you talk about your experience with that? I have been in a little bit of a bubble because the majority of the staff at the agency that I just left mm -hmm. was female. It was founded by a woman. Right. And there was a time we had no men working with us. Now that's different, obviously. Mm -hmm. But my experiences have not been the norm. Right. So I don't have too much to say about it other than I, you know, it's just incredible to me that that's still the case. Right. Um, so then how would you take that and enter, you know, if you're looking for your next step, like how does that impact what you're looking mm -hmm. for? That's a really good question. Well, I would want to make sure that there's some diversity on the staff right. of, the, of the next company that I, that I hope to you know work with. I don't know what yeah. else to say about yeah. that other than, you know, I think some of the larger agencies in my industry I think it's much more prevalent in a, in a really big multinational global PR firm to have, right. you know, more men at the top, you know, but I've spent my career in more midsize uh, mm -hmm. agencies that I think are a bit more entrepreneurial and, yeah. you know, especially now in this day and age, you know, diversity and inclusion, it's not just about race, it's about, you know, gender. Background um, and everything. Right. Yeah. I'm always just curious because the field that I'm entering into is mm -hmm. very different. And so I just am fascinated by that. So, okay, this is my favorite silly question. If you had to write a book about either your life or PR or whatever, whatever type of book it would be, what would be the title of that book? I've never thought about that before. Uh, it would probably be something about the most egregious gr uh, grammar gaffes that I've seen over the... <laughs> Over the last couple of decades, I'm constantly looking around and seeing signage and posters and hearing things on the radio that are just awful in terms of grammar. So maybe, you know, how not to sound like an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm sure if you are still a professor here, you could have a lot of student emails that would add to that. Yes, yes. Sure. Um, maybe it would be that or something like something, something about Dave Grohl and why he's the Paul McCartney of our era. I don't know. <laughs> So then what would be the first title that gets rejected by the publisher? I don't know. I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. That's tough. That's tough. Probably something that had grammatical errors in it. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. Or when you start, if they give you a new title and then you correct the grammar of it, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. not go over too well. So if you could wave your magic wand 
what would you do with it? So if you could change one thing, if you could impact something, what would that magic wand do? Probably enable me to win the lottery and open up a bookstore or be a librarian. What kind of bookstore would it be? Probably very heavily mu music focused. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we normally ask this question to the people in the program, but since you're at an interesting point in your career, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? It might be something along the lines of what I'm exploring now, you know, while I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my career. I've been approached to do some consulting and some project work for, you know, PR type things and, and marketing programs. And I'm kind of thinking I might start my own thing, which is, you know, very different for me. So maybe that's what it's what it's going to be. I'm yeah. not sure. So then uh, to kind of wrap this up a little bit, what is your... I know we talked a little bit about your advice, but what would be some advice or wisdom that you would give to whether it be the, your mentee or somebody entering the fields or what have you? Maybe it's because I'm at this juncture of my own career, but and it relates to, to someone, a thought leader that I really admire who actually happens to be a Seton Hall alum. Her name is Marie Forleo, and I just discovered her. She has just come out with a book called Everything is Figureoutable, and she also has a... Um, a web TV series, which is really full of great content for young leaders and entrepreneurs. And um, I think I think that's something that I'm really kind of coming to terms with, that you might be used to having um, a path. I mean, since I was in sixth grade, I was on this academic path. I knew right. I wanted to do well in middle school and do well in high school and then get into a good college. And to get the right internship, to get the, to right get internship, internship, to get the, the great whole... job, and then, you yeah. know, be able to have some, you know, financial stability in my yeah. life and do the <laughs> things that I want to do. And, you know, then there came a point very recently where I was like, for me, what's next? Right. And You've I don't have that. Boxes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've gotten some really great accolades in my career, you know, winning awards for some of the PR work I've done. I also was so honored in, I think it was 2013 with the Many yeah. Are One Alumni mm -hmm. Impact Award for my mentoring and volunteering right. at Seton Hall. And it was like, okay, now what? No, and yeah. um, I just kind of happened upon this book and, and the title, Everything is Figureoutable. It just really struck me as, you know, for the first time in my life, I don't really have a, a roadmap, but I'm going to figure it out. Most of us are still in that box checking phase, mm -hmm. right? What's next? Um, and that's important, obviously, but don't always be so focused on the future. You have to look around once in a while, have right. some fun and, and not take everything so seriously because then before you know it, you'll be middle-aged and <laughs> looking back and going, you know, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I travel? Why didn't I, you know, yeah. have that fun when I could? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'm just thinking about this advice I got before going um, to college and I was talking to a professor or a teacher of mine and he said, you know, people a lot dumber than you have graduated college. Like you don't need to worry about graduating. Like you'll be okay. Right. Make sure you enjoy it. So what are some books or podcasts? I know you talked about Marie Folio's mm -hmm. um, thought leaders in the field that you follow. She's really the, the one that's front and center for me now, just because I think she's so relevant. Mm -hmm. You know, she's she's on the younger side and she's really focused on empowering young younger people and, you know, instilling in them and me and us that you have the power to do what you right. want in life to make it happen mm -hmm. and then you know i at my former agency i worked with a lot of thought leaders on lots of different topics like innovation and mm -hmm. and management and business strategy so there's really a lot of them i think everybody who's listening to this should check out marie forleo Okay. And I will definitely, hopefully can get her on the podcast now. Oh, that'll be great. Well, thank you so much for coming. This has been fantastic. Um, thank you for having me. It's just great to be back here. Back. Yep. 